Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. It's possible to go about church planting without actually doing mission. But the church is called to proclaim the excellencies of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is why we plant churches, to push back the darkness with the light of the gospel. And if church plants are to grow because of people actually coming to Christ, then church planters must be marked by missional living. That is, they must live with gospel intentionality in all of life. If church planters don't do this, we will see churches planted that remain largely insular. Not only is such an idea unhealthy for the church, it's unbiblical. Faithful church planters will lead lives marked by gospel intentionality, proclaiming and displaying Christ to those around them. This is not an easy task, but gospel intentionality flows from our new gospel identity. So how do church planters live with this kind of intentionality for the sake of the church and for the sake of the lost? Today, I'm excited to have Sean Cross with me on the podcast to discuss this. Sean is the lead pastor of Union Church in Washington, D.C. He's married to Melissa, and he has three children. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tony. It's, it's good to be here with you. Yeah, great to be with Sean. If you if you don't know, uh, uh, we have a, a blog at TGC, Acts 29 does, and uh, Sean's written several articles for us, and uh, really grateful for his contribution in that. Uh, he, he's not doing it for the money, I can assure you, um, <laughs> but is really uh, blessing the church and, and helping us think through various issues related to church planting. Uh, and right now, speaking of TGC, we are at the... Uh, Gospel Coalition National Conference in Indianapolis, um, and the theme of the conference is on evangelism. Uh, Conversations with Jesus uh, is is the title, and uh, that fits really well, actually, with what we're talking about in this podcast, namely missional living. And um, we are very thankful for our partnership, by the way, with the Gospel Coalition. Uh, if you uh, are not up on our partnership, we have uh, two blogs a week or a blog and a podcast that's released every week at TGC. So. Uh, if you're uh, in need and uh, interested in various resources related to church planting, you can go there and, and have a look. Um, so let's dive in for a moment. Uh, Sean, why don't you begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where did you grow up? How did you come to faith? Yeah, I grew up mostly uh, right outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia. Uh, it was just me and my mom. Uh, growing up, my mom loved the Lord. Uh, and she wanted me to love the Lord. And so we were in church. We were a part of a church community. It was a large part of who we were. Uh, and and so I grew up with the vocabulary of faith and of the church and uh, of, of just the gospel. Uh, but it wasn't until I was actually 17 overseas on a mission trip. I was doing uh, playing basketball and doing missions in Romania and Russia. Uh, and I was sharing the gospel with somebody uh, and realized I don't actually believe this. <laughs> um, and the Lord convicted me and I did. I, I believed. I, I put my faith in Jesus and it was just in time to go off to college. And so I went to Campbell University and that was a great time of testing the faith and um, just learning so much about God's grace in in my life and and in the world. So, uh, yeah. So from uh, take us from college to uh, marriage, uh, you know, being led in the ministry. 
what was that like? Yeah, so I met my wife, Melissa, at Campbell. Uh, we were young. We were babies when we got married uh, right after I graduated. So I was 21. She had just turned 21. She had a year of school left. We got married. We were going to a church in Anger, North Carolina, south of Raleigh, and we loved that community, and I felt like the Lord was not calling me to church ministry so much as just to serving the church through uh, through academia. And so we went to RTS in Orlando, and my dream was to to go to Edinburgh and and study sort of the intersection of faith and ethics, uh, more on a philosophical perspective than than theology. And while we were there, uh, sadly, the pastor of our church in North Carolina, his wife uh, contracted a brain tumor. And uh, Melissa and I both felt like we were called to serve him and Grace Community Church in Andrew specifically. And so uh, we talked with them and it seemed to them like a good idea. And we went and started serving there. The only place that they really needed help was youth ministry because the person leading the youth ministry was the associate pastor. And so he started filling in some of those pastoral duties. I took over youth ministry two years in. I had begun preaching and doing a lot more work with the church. And and it was in the act of ministry that I realized the Lord was actually calling me to ministry. A couple of years later, went to a, a conference, Advance, in Raleigh. And that's when I got bit with the church planting bug. I, I went to Melissa and was like, I think the Lord's calling us to plant a church. Uh, she said, we're not talking about this right now. Uh, and she was absolutely right um, at the time. And, you know, she grew in her desire for it. And, and the Lord called us back to where I grew up, D.C. And we've been running there ever since. Hmm. Now, Sean is only 36 years old. He looks 26. Uh, it's really, it's really, um, I'm really jealous. Um, how do you say so, so fit and so young, man? I, I don't know about fit. Uh, I don't feel young and certainly three kids don't help. Uh, you know, I try and tell my friends of the lighter hue about the glories of lotion, particularly cocoa butter. Um, but maybe that's a, that's an inside secret that you shouldn't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get some on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you talked about, uh, early ministry days. Who were some of the shaping influences and, and who are some of the shaping influences on you as, as a guy who's a scholar, pastor, um, thinker, writer, and I'm sure the, the list is endless, but, but just curious, uh, a couple that come to mind, uh. Yeah, when I think about contemporary folks, I mean, like a lot of people who fell into the Reformed tradition uh, in college when who were about my age, obviously Piper and Keller had a, a big influence on that. And uh, it's been a wide variety of people from Thabiti Anyabwile to Stanley Hauerwas to um, getting back to to more of the ancient or er, er, church fathers and and uh, scholastics and and folks like Francis of Assisi and Augustine, um, uh, the, they've all they've all had some role in the way that I've processed uh, theology, philosophy, mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about your church. Uh, how, how long you guys been running now? Uh, we're we're three and a half years in. Okay, uh, so we're still young. We feel like a young church sometimes. Uh, it's a it's a diverse ish community um in dc uh we we've got folks 
uh, across the board. We have people who work for uh, Hill, Hill, they're Hill staffers and they work for Congress people. And, and we have folks who are in law enforcement and we have uh, just a, a wide variety of people. We have some, we have some grandparents and we have uh, some young single, you know, just babies. And uh, so there's, there's that weird mix. I think one thing that I love about my church is that we have a group of people who I think apart from the gospel probably wouldn't have found each other. Uh, but there's definitely this, this feel of family. Um, it's, it's one of the things that makes it difficult, but it's, it's also, I think one of my favorite things. Now DC is one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, tell me about what you like to do there for fun. You, you, uh, are you a Wizards fan, Nats fan? I, I am. Uh, I'm a long suffering DC sports fan. Uh, going to games is, is fun. You know, my family, we like to go out and eat when we can. Uh, that's not a, a cheap endeavor in DC, but, but we like some of the, the local spots. Um, just getting out like DC is a cool city to me because there's a lot of green spaces. There's a lot of places to be outside. So for me, whether I'm coaching my son's basketball team or just we're all at, at a soccer game, like that stuff is, is great mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, it is a great sports city, man. Um, so we're talking about missional lifestyle uh, on this podcast. Uh, where do we get this idea from the Bible? Just uh, let's start there. Yeah, I, it's it's almost to me a question maybe of like, how do you miss it in the <laughs> Bible? You know, right, right from the beginning, you see uh, that God has given our first parents, Adam and Eve, a task, right? They're to be fruitful and multiply. They're to work the garden and keep it. They've been given mission. And if they fulfill their mission, uh, then the whole earth is filled with this temple kingdom garden full of people who proclaim and who live out the, the glory of God and put it on display. Um, obviously sin enters. And so you can jump straight to Moses, uh, Abraham, the Abraham is, is told that he's going to be the father of many nations and that, that they will be a blessing to all peoples. You go to Moses and you see that they're, um, a royal priesthood who've been called to, to be, <clears throat> uh, a people in the ancient Near East who are going to proclaim the glories and display the excellencies of Yahweh. You jump forward uh, using that same language to to the, the passage that you you quoted er earlier in First Peter, and that's what we've been called to do. We've been set out to call the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Uh, if we're all sort of in this reformed, well, not sort of, we're in this reformed Acts twenty nine camp, and so we love the Great Commission. That's a, a missional text. The missional impulse is just all throughout the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, it, Which culminates in Revelation. Yeah. With absolutely. every tribe and tongue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't I forget who's I don't know who said it. It's been quoted many times, but that if you removed uh, missions or missional, as we're talking about here uh, from the Bible, all you would have is the cover. Uh, yeah. Like it's it, yeah. literally from cover to cover that yeah. like we have a missional God. And therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that his his word is is robustly missional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what about uh, church planting? As we think about um, uh, the the necessity of living a missional lifestyle, and we, we don't want to just go start a meeting and try to 
gather in some disgruntled Christians from other churches or, or whatever. Like we really want to live as missionaries, right, as church planters. Um, just talk to us about the, the importance of that. Why is it so crucial? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, understanding what a missional lifestyle is, is really important to answer that question. And, and it seems very straightforward, and, and it really is. That idea of your ordinary life, your lifestyle, the things that you do on a day-to-day basis are missional. They have intention. They're on mission. Uh, there's gospel focus in ordinary life. Uh, this is a really simple thing. It's central uh, to the life of a Christian and therefore to church planting. But we see it especially, I think, in church planting because the idea is that we need a church in this area that will reach the lost. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't need new churches uh, that are simply uh, providing a better service, mm-hmm. a more excellent, crisp, clean worship service so that maybe younger or hip Christians, whatever, can, can have a cooler place to congregate. We don't need that. Uh, we live in a country in, uh, in DC for me, in a city particular where there's been a great gospel witness and the city is changing. And also, uh, that great gospel witness is aging and has, uh, has had a difficult time reaching, uh, newer generations. And, and so we need people who are, uh, proclaiming the gospel. That missional lifestyle. And so church planting, starting new churches should be about birthing new gospel work. Um, and, and so something that I've said to our guys at Union Church is that we, we don't plant churches, we plant the gospel, and then we put what remains, like the return, into order. And so when we start thinking about planting the gospel, that's missional living. It's, it's central to the work of church planting. Absolutely, absolutely. What's it look like for, for you, for a church planter, just on the day-to-day? Um, talk to us about some, some avenues by which you're connecting. Um, and even now, three, three years in or so, um, I, kn- I know my, for me it's a challenge at times, uh, given uh, the, the complexity of our church, trying to manage things, shepherd things, to still have an outward focus personally. Um, and I, I do see, you know, the call that we have, to, uh, in the scriptures to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we're obviously not the only evangelists that were to, to really equip them to do it as well. Um, but you mentioned coaching. What were some other ways in which you try to intentionally, uh, live with this gospel, gospel focus? Yeah. So coaching obviously was a, a big one. Um, sports for us as a family, sports is something that I really love and and value in the ways that it trains up our kids to be responsible. Uh, a lot of the values that you can learn from sports are values that apply to being a part of the church family or a family or or a society, right? And so uh, when I'm the coach uh, or assistant coaching or helping coach, uh, relationships are necessarily going to happen with parents as they happen with kids and and we have those opportunities to become friends, to move from the field to around the table. Uh, Melissa and I are very involved in our kids' school. Um, and so f- this year and last year, I was a member of the, the equivalent of the PTA of the school. I was a board member of that. Uh, Melissa was the year before. And so that school involvement, uh, getting to know parents, getting to uh, pour into the school, uh, getting to know teachers. These are just 
channels that that flow naturally from our life. Uh, and that's that that natural ordinary lifestyle is has is been critical to us because like you said um there's a million things to do and so the idea of adding another thing is daunting but we eat we take our kids to school we take our kids to sports um uh we live in a neighborhood we we like to grill uh so we're out back in our neighborhood we we live we have row houses. We're lucky like that. I know some people like yards. I like not having to mow. Amen. Um, but it also means that every day when I'm walking to the metro or when we're we're outside, we can't help but be confronted with our neighbors. And so it's just being present, taking walks, doing things as a family like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking about missional lifestyle in the podcast, and this is one of the uh, 11 core competencies in Acts 29. These are uh, characteristics that we're looking for and trying to um, uh, focus on when we're, when we're thinking about church planting. Uh, and so this is obviously right at the heart of what we're doing, uh, living on mission. You know, one of the challenges and one of the, um, one of the needs uh, that we have as, as leaders, as pastors, is not only living out a missional lifestyle, but really equipping our people to do it well. Um, and I'm sure you see this, uh, probably more than I, I see it. And, uh, other, other pastors in different parts of the world are seeing this. And that is this, this rise of secularism and, uh, a real disinterest, uh, in, in the church. Uh, we, we talk about the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who have no religious affiliation. Uh, and what I've told our people is that the day in which you can just put on a really good program and people are going to show up to your church is over. Uh, by and large, um, and that, and if there's any outsider that finds their way into our services, it's because they've been engaged outside the church building uh, and have been invited, even brought, you know, into into the church. and And so, I think it's it's very important that that churches, and this is not just for church planters, but established churches as well. And as our as our little church plans grow into established churches, that we keep. Um, uh, Re-emphasizing, even over-emphasizing, what what might feel like over-emphasizing to us, the need for evangelism, the need uh, for us to engage people in the marketplaces, in our networks, right, in our workplaces, as you're talking about um, the you know the movie Field of Dreams. Uh, if you build it, they will come. is It's a good movie, but it's a terrible strategy, <laughs> right, for for evangelism. Yeah. And I'm sure you're you're seeing that in D.C. Um, of just the, uh, the challenge of reaching uh, various people who just seem to not care, like they're, they're, they're happy without the gospel. Um, talk to us about some of the things maybe you're doing to equip your people to, to engage and live a missional lifestyle themselves. Yeah, so when we first started a few years ago, and I'd, I'd love to get us back to doing this, uh, we had dinner parties, basically. Um, and I know that's common. That's not anything we new or crazy innovative. It's just you eat. Yeah. You eat a lot. Yeah. Probably 21 times a week. Yeah. You yeah. eat. Yeah. Um, and most other people eat 21 times a week in your neighborhood, too. And so if you just say, I'm going to take two or three of those times and devote them to eating with people who don't know or love or follow Jesus, uh, then you are taking massive steps towards just that missional life. That is missional lifestyle. And so for us too, as a church, we recognized that 
we didn't just want it to be me with my friends and then me with the church, but rather all of us together. And so those dinner groups, it was a few people from the church. One person would host and they would invite people outside of the church. So they're just hosting a party. And then what we saw beginning to happen was that the people who were invited from outside the church had such a great time with our folks from inside of the church that now there are multiple levels of connection and friendship being built. And there are multiple touch points for them that the church and Christians aren't X, Y, and Z, but they're Lauren, mm-hmm. you know, and they're Sean and mm-hmm. they're Steve yeah, and whoever, yeah. you know, and yeah. so that, that, that was one way that we did it. Uh, we encourage it. Uh, we so we do large scale things uh, like cookouts. Uh, I'm I'm thankful that winter is done and that we're, we're in spring and then summer uh, because it gives us a chance to um, to go outside after church. We have uh, picnics and uh, we grill stuff and. It's amazing what the scent of meat does to a community, right? Like it is the call uh, to come and and congregate. And so we do that. And then the other thing that I think is is critical, and and I'm going to say this knowing that I don't do it as well as as I should or would like, uh, is to model it, right? If following Jesus if missional living is a part of following Jesus, which it is, right? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So someone who follows Jesus has been transformed by him and invites other people to follow him, right? It's a missional life. If that's the case, and then we get Paul saying to Timothy, for example, imitate me as I imitate Christ, then I should be saying to my people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And part of that is in this missional lifestyle. And so... One thing I've done and want to do more of is to invite more people to see how we do it, whether it's coming to games, whether it's coming to dinner. Uh, we have big events at school and just inviting our our church members who, you know, a few at a time or one at a time to just come and, and see us engage with unbelievers. I think seeing that happen helps people realize that you don't have to be some like skilled evangelist to to live on mission you just have to be an ordinary person yeah 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 i love the emphasis on being ordinary in fact there's a book called ordinary written by tony somebody um that uh would would be would be something i would recommend that would be me by the way um and i take the phrase steve timmis uses a lot ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality and we just say that all the time at our church. Yeah. Um, so if, you, if you're going to play can jam, great. Invite some friends who, who uh, are outside the faith. If you're going to go to a football game or watch a football game, great. Invite your neighbors. Like Just live life, but live it with an intentionality um, because we're not asking you to necessarily add something else to your already busy life, but rather be, just live with a, an intentional focus and a, and a sensitivity to, to lostness and people outside the faith. Uh, and as you were talking about meals, um, uh, another book that I really would recommend on this particular subject that we're talking about is A Meal with Jesus by Chester and Timmis. Uh, there are many other good books on hospitality, but um, that book's been very helpful. It's a short book. It's a little study on the book of Luke. 
Um, one guy wrote a book called uh, Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel named Robert Karras. And uh, he says in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And um, it, it's very interesting as you read through the Gospel of Luke how often Jesus is eating with people and even gets the, the title, drunkard and glutton. Right, uh, right. <laughs> though he wasn't, but it was because he was always with people, right? He's always eating with people. And um, I, I don't think people realize the power of that. And um, the the the, uh, the accessibility of that you can do that and I've had people come up at our church many times and say things because they come from a church culture this is kind of a church question like how do I get plugged in you know I'm coming to your church how do I get plugged in and I love to just say eat with people um, which is not what they're thinking about they're thinking about a program they're thinking about this or this and I'm just like you eat right um, why don't you do two this week with somebody that's not a believer um, and that so to do that you know we we've tried to keep our church really simple. Um, and Absolutely. give people space to Absolutely. do that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's gotten harder as our church has gotten bigger. And, and you know, it's, it seems that we're adding stuff and we're like, man, we don't need to add anything else. But this, this, this call, this, um, this, this plea to, to our people to live with, with an intentionality, I find that, that that's really liberating to them. Um, we're not talking about uh, every Thursday night we're going to do something. Though you can, you know, a church right, event or whatever, right, right. That's, that's fine. But it's really, you know, loving your neighbors, um, finding things that you're good at that that you can use. Um, and I tell people, like, if you're going to do the like coaching thing, uh, be a really good coach. Right. And it, you're right. If you're going to don't be sorry at whatever you're doing to make connections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I coach baseball and I have for about eight years. And uh, our team has been really successful in, in the little league system. And um People, people don't even know I'm a pastor. They know me as coach because I have to tell them eventually. And um, uh, it's been it's been really cool because I've had you know parents ask me to coach their kid on a Saturday or like, will you take Johnny to do this or this? And uh, I'm talking about on the other team and uh, just being able to build that bridge uh, with something you're already good at, something that you can do, that something that, that you, you enjoy. Yeah. yeah, that's because I mean, that's, that's so so, so important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like doing things that you love with other people creates an affinity, right? Like it creates an affection. That's how friends are made. Like we, mm -hmm. we, we programatize things so much and we're like, if we sit in a circle, then we'll become a community. <laughs> but there's no other part of life where that's the reality, right? It's, it's, I love watching, I love watching the wizards. I'm watching the wizards come watch the wizards with me. That's how you become friends. You think about when you were a kid, it was video games and everybody was coming and we were taking turns beating each other up on Tecmo Super Bowl. And, and that's how we became friends. And it's the same thing. You're really just becoming friends. It's, it's funny. I, I remember from when I was in high school, what Rick Warren said uh, was that evangelism is building a bridge from your heart to somebody else's so that Jesus can walk across and so that's going to be like those passions that you have. That's going to be those things. And you're sharing other, you're sharing that with other people. And because we're filled with the spirit of God and because we've been transformed by Jesus, uh, it's, that's a passion that's going to come out. Uh, and we'll have built up that relational and trust capital, so to speak, to be able to say like, look, you know, we, we do this, we do this, like, Hey, we've got this other thing going on. Come with me or. You know, it's been crazy to see the ways that, uh, you know, I've I've done the funeral of one of the parents in our school's father. Uh, and and that 
is in large part just from ordinary life. They know who I am uh, and the conversations that, I, that, that people will have with you is surprising. I think we think people are resistant to anything religious or spiritual in nature uh, and they're not uh, once once they know that you've seen their heart and they've seen yours. Right on. Yeah, one of the things I love about that one Peter text, give, uh, you know, uh, a reason for the hope within you, mm-hmm. uh, be ready to give that that witness is Peter says, uh, he calls it hope. It, it's not be ready to have the best theological answer ever, uh, you know, uh, go to seminary, get formal training. It's like what outsiders really connect with and long for is hope. And, and any Christian, every Christian should have that. Right. And so when they watch you suffer and when they're yeah. suffering, yeah, those are great times to bear witness that, uh, you know, a faithful grandma who has little training formally, but has been walking with Jesus forever, radiates that contagious hope that people long for. Um, and so I, I, I just really love in the New Testament how, how that hope is emphasized in that, in that text. And then in John 13, when Jesus says, um, they're going to know you're my disciples by your love for one another. This is how the outside world will know. So it's, it's things like love within the community that's compelling and hope within a Christian that's compelling. And as we go about our missional lifestyle, um, that that's that should be bubbling out of our heart and, and be the overflow uh, of our heart in our conversation. And so um, just a word to say, man, we got to we, we need to cultivate those passions every day, every morning uh, as we go out on the block, as we go out into the community that we're, we're living with that that great eschatological hope in Christ Jesus, who's risen from the dead and that our hearts are filled with love for one another in the community um, for, for their good, but also for the good of the watching world. Um, so man, I really appreciate your, your work, your ministry. It's yeah, been great to get yeah, to know you here in Indy. Look yeah, forward to hopefully watching a Wizards game good. with you at I some point. It. Yeah. Come on. I, I do up. have I'll a John be. Wall Jersey, you know, uh, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, why don't you just tell the listener before we get off here, um, just how they can keep up with you, uh, website, church website, social media. Uh, whatever. yeah. Uh, you can check union church out online. It's www.unionchurchdc.com. I'm on Twitter. That's it as far as social media goes. Uh, also, I'm going to put this little plug in because this is something that I've been doing. Uh, if you want to be missional with people, you want to be uh, evangelistic and, and reaching people, you have to be present with them, which means that you can't be tied to whatever device you're holding. Put your smartphones away. Uh, Facebook is not real connection. Uh, social media is not real connection. Don't mistake posting a podcast or uh, a sermon that's particularly good for real face-to-face interaction. Uh, so put your phones away and, and, and go to people. I only have Twitter. I don't check it that much. Follow me if you want. You don't have to. Uh, but I, I, I think you'd be better suited to, to log off for a little bit. That's the best answer to that question that we've had on the podcast, bro. Uh, amen and amen to that. Well, let's let's go uh, live a missional lifestyle for the glory of our missional God. Thank you. Amen. Brother. Amen.